0: I'm Sam Kreider
1: and I'm Amy Kreider and this is Continuous Dream Behind the Scenes for our Patreon supporters. This episode is behind the scenes for our November comedy episode.
0: Recording this was was a little nostalgic for me because we actually met doing radio comedy.
1: Yeah maybe the least said about that the better. Oh my, no I'm just I kidding.
0: <laughs> well, I was just thinking like a, the very first thing we did was that sort of fake interview
1: right where we talked to each other yeah. and that was you know literally when we met was mm-hmm. at the college radio station yeah. that was our first meeting mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah and we were sort of doing kind of what we're doing now
1: yeah and mm-hmm. it's been 40 years well that's wonderful it's never too late to go back to what you're originally doing
0: now that the rest of the world is caught up with us
1: yeah the rest of the world has caught up to us that's true and technology has made it so much easier mm-hmm. and so for our November episode, we did two one-minute plays, a 10-minute play, and a monologue. Mm-hmm. And the monologue is close to 10 minutes or maybe seven minutes. The one-minute plays came about because I had heard of something called the Chicago One-Minute Play Festival, where 60 playwrights are invited to write a one-minute play and then it's put on for three nights as a show. And it's not a reading. The, it's fully produced, really. It's off book. If there's a need for a costume, someone might be in a costume. They don't build a set or anything like that. It, it's what I think in Chicago would be called Second City style, mm-hmm. where you don't have a set. You might have a, a chair. And there is sometimes a theme, a very general, broad sort of theme. I think last year they said, No Trump. They did not want any references to Trump in the show because everyone is just sick of Trump. So they might, there might be a suggestion like that. And they describe a one-minute play as being like a heartbeat. And that's the essence of the one-minute play festival. And I thought, wow, wow why, can't, why can't I be part of something like that? How do you get involved? And I tried writing a one-minute play. And the first one I wrote was a cup of tea, which was never part of the Chicago one-minute play festival. Uh, But then I was invited to participate in it out of the blue. I didn't didn't know how they knew who I was. I found out later Mm -hmm. who recommended me to them. But when I got this email out of the blue inviting me, I was just so excited that strangers who I didn't know would invite me to participate in this. So they invited me to participate and... The first thing I wrote was something called "Keeping Up," which was a little bit of a play on you and I being older and trying to keep up with young celebrities. And Even they, though
0: it was almost verbatim what we had actually said <laughs> as ourselves, you're, right? You were able to cast it as as old people,
1: right? Well, the actors were actually young yeah. people well, pretending to be old people, but yeah. Well, we are old people. <laughs> Let's face it. So not really. And the second one I wrote was pre-existing condition because I, I participated three years. So the second year I did pre-existing condition. And the funny thing about that was um, I really wanted it to be hilariously funny. And I made a costume for the actress. I got a white shirt from the thrift store, put fake blood all over it, got a plastic fake knife and stuck it to the shirt. And I thought the audience would... Be, you know roaring with laughter but the actress playing the woman who was stabbed played it completely straight as if she were really suffering and like she was gasping and and the audience was horrified and they were <laughs> gasping in horror at what was going on and it was sort of gratifying that i had such an effect on the audience but it wasn't the effect i wanted because i really wanted it to be funny and they were mostly just horrified <laughs> at what was going on. And then there was also a show I put on last year that was part of something called Yippie Fest at the Prop Theater, which is a festival of short plays or, and other acts, musicians, comedians. So I put on a show of 10 short plays. It was about 45 minutes long. You had about an hour for your act, up to an hour. Um, they wanted you to stay you know, on the shorter side. So in about 45 minutes, we did 10 of my short plays, and I had four actors. And and they were the same actors who were in this oh. episode oh. of Continuous Dream. And they did a wonderful job. And I had, again, was good doing it Second City style, but they came up with their own costumes for some of these, just little bits like sunglasses or a scarf, really added their own extras to these plays and it was really mm-hmm. nice it really came together nicely one of my rare experiences of directing but these actors are so professional and mm. they don't really need much directing so the fact that i don't have a lot of directing experience wasn't important at all so that Yippie fest included a cup of tea pre-existing condition and klingon and the monologue the Gado monologue those were all part of Yippie fest klingon came about because there's a theater in Albuquerque that every year does something called The Seven, which mm-hmm. is a night of short plays. It's fusion theater. And each year they have a theme that you have to adhere to. And one year I, part- I didn't participate. I entered, I submitted a play for the theme of failure to communicate. And I wrote Klingon for that. It was not accepted, but it was a finalist. And they had a lot of submissions, and the finalists were only the top 15, I think. So it was really an honor even to be a finalist. And the funny thing about Klingana is that the actors in it, Aaron Caswell and Baird Brucher, who play mother and son in real life, are husband and wife. So as Baird said, paging Dr. Freud, and he put that <laughs> on Facebook. And in last month's Halloween episode, they played King James the Sixth. And Agnes Sampson, mm-hmm. the torturer and the witch. So I've been putting them in very funny situations for <laughs> husband and wife. But they're both very talented and great to work with. Mm-hmm. So it's been fun to, mm-hmm. to work with them.
0: And there was all actual Klingon. Right?
1: Yes, that was all real Klingon from a Klingon dictionary. I bought a Klingon dictionary used on Amazon and just looked up these words. I don't know if I had anything grammatically correct. But the vocabulary was mm-hmm. Klingon vocabulary. And Erin appears in the Klingon Christmas Carol in Chicago every mm. Christmas time. No, no. But she knows Klingon because she's in the Klingon Christmas Carol. So I think she coached Baird in the pronunciation with the way he was rolling his r's and that sort of thing. <laughs> I think they practiced that together. So that also worked out.
0: I guess that's the thing about Chicago theater. You have all these resources Mm -hmm. to call on.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so the final piece is, again, somewhat based on reality.
1: Yeah, my real experience was seeing Waiting for Godot. Now, I had never seen it. I read it in college 40 years ago. I didn't remember much about it. And you and I went to Ireland. We were just stopping there for two days and we had the opportunity to see the Druid Theatre Company doing Waiting for Gatto at the Abbey Theatre. And it was, I thought, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I was so excited. And it was such a wonderful performance. I loved their interpretation. And during the performance, i I'm what you sometimes joke as being a theater Nazi. I don't want a sound to come from the audience. I don't want anyone to cough or move or fan themselves with their program. And want
0: it to start on time. when Right, start
1: on time. This is
0: the time to be there to <laughs> see this play, and you want it to start at that time.
1: Yeah, I'm always impatient if it starts late, and it's usually, any show usually starts about five minutes late, but I'm always looking at my watch and So anyway, I was feeling some of those distractions when that line in the play came up. And Vladimir says, will you tell him that you saw me? And for some reason that struck me and moved me very deeply. And I had a whole different sensation, a whole different feeling about the audience, that we were a community and everyone is struggling. And sometimes you need to cough and everyone in the world struggles and... Has to survive. And it just moved me so deeply. And that was the basis of this monologue. And the funny thing is, um, it wasn't a once in a lifetime opportunity, because the week we got back from Ireland, I looked at theater listings and discovered that that same theater company, Druid, was coming to Chicago the following year to do Waiting for Godot. So we actually got to see it all over again in Chicago. It was amazing. And that was the performance where the woman really did buy a bag of pretzels (laughs) in the lobby during intermission and was eating them right next to me in the audience during the second act. And so there there was a lot of true material in that monologue. And so it was a combination of both those performances that I drew the material from. (laughs) I think that covers that episode for December... I have a special monologue on A Christmas Carol. We're creating a video version where I'll have still pictures that I've gotten from various sources uh, to go along with the monologue. So it'll be more like a video version of the monologue. And that'll be exclusive Patreon content. And I hope that you're looking forward to our future episodes. And thank you for listening. And happy holidays.